0: swimmers and welcome to another episode of Torpedo Swim Talk podcast. I'm your host Danielle Sperling and each week I talk to a master swimmer from around the world about their swimming journey. On today's podcast I was delighted to speak to British master swimmer and freelance sports and broadcasting journalist Nick Hope. As a Masters competitor, Nick has competed at the British Masters Nationals and several European Championships, and as a journalist, has commented and interviewed swimmers at the Olympics, Paralympics, FINA World Cups, and 10 FINA World Championships. He was able to share perspectives from both angles, and I think you'll love this chat. Let's hear from Nick now.
1: Thank you, Mark.
0: Hi, Nick. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much. Honour to be here.
0: Oh it's lovely to have you. Where are you based in the U uh, in the U- UK, I should say.
1: Yeah, It's all good. I mean, look, it's felt like somewhere much more exotic last few days. We had this crazy heat wave, but I'm here in Manchester uh, in the UK, which is uh, usually very mild this time of the year. But we've been up over like 40 degrees Celsius. So, yeah, it's felt a little bit more like the States or uh, Australia in the middle of summer. But, uh, yeah, this is home. It's where I kind of grew up. I was in London for about seven, eight years and then then came back to Manchester initially with work. But, uh, yeah, family's still around here as well.
0: Yeah. I know that the heat wave you are having is crazy. I've never heard of those uh, temperatures in the UK before.
1: No, it's crazy. Like most people were quite worried. My mum is one of those people who just absorbs the sun. So she was like, this is amazing. The rest of us are like, it's a little bit dangerous and scary. Um, But yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, plus 40 degrees in the UK was 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 insane. But, you know, good, good weather to go swimming if you can do it uh, safely.
0: Absolutely. Have you managed to get a swim in in the last few days?
1: Yeah, but not open water, actually. I've been mostly in the pool um, because competitions coming up this, uh, well, the back half of the summer are all in the pool. So I've been kind of concentrating there rather than doing the open water. But during the last few years, I've done loads more of the kind of like open water swims up to three, five K, which I'd never done when I was a kid because I was kind of like all well ideally nothing over 100 meters although it's probably better at the 200 um so kind of been varying it up a little bit but this year it's been it's been back in the back in the pool but it would be nice given the weather I should really go and you know put the wetsuit on or maybe maybe go skins be a little bit bolder as it is pretty warm
0: yeah 40 degrees I think you could go skins
1: <laughs> yeah I think I probably could to be fair though <laughs> we take thought it takes a while for the water to warm up over here though yep. you know yeah, the water in the UK can be pretty nippy and I'm, I'm a very soft fair weather swimmer <laughs>
0: Where where do you swim open water around Manchester?
1: So there's a few different places. So we've got uh, near me. So uh, Media City in Salford Quays is kind of the, the area that was kind of regenerated when the BBC moved up from London and they cleaned up all the docks around there. So there's there's a couple of really nice places that you can go within the docks. Um, and it's also quite good when they have events there because it's perfect for spectators to be to be around the side. So that's really nice. Um, there are a couple of well, there's a lot of lakes around the Greater Manchester area, which have cleaned up a lot as well so you've got options there and in south manchester into cheshire some lovely places that you can go where the water's quite shallow as well so it means it heats up so you can go from quite early in the year because as i said i don't particularly like the cold water cold uh, water um so if you're in i don't know the lake districts obviously which is just north of here uh, about an hour away it's absolutely spectacular but it is so deep it is never even at the height of summer or, or going into water where you've had all that summer heat going to get above 13 14 degrees, so you're always going to need a wetsuit in there unless you're really bold. Whereas, whereas here there are shallower waters, so you can probably go in from kind of April time and it'd be manageable. Or if you're you know, tough, you can go in a lot earlier, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: it, it sounds like you may need a wetsuit, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Lake, Lake Windermere is quite deep, isn't it? That's in the lakes district. Yeah.
1: But but an amazing experience to to, to swim on it. And I think you know, when you're in a place like that, the cold helps you kind of appreciate it a little bit more, I think, because when you do a race in there or you do even a, even a training session, you go for something socially, you feel like you've achieved something in in that lake because it is so cold. And as I yeah. said, the surroundings are just spectacular.
0: What's the open water swimming scene like in the UK over summer? Is there a lot of races on?
1: yeah there's quite a few i mean they go throughout the obviously there are more in the summer but there's there's more than there's ever been sort of spread out across across the year and as i said because some people are really bold they will i mean even in this area you know there are there are new year's day swims where you can go and get in i mean that is really impressive you're practically breaking the ice there those <laughs> days ice swimmers are, are insane but yeah the last few years i mean even even before the pandemic that obviously gave it a big kick because it was the only sort of way if you're a swimmer it was the only way of, of getting any um uh well any practice really for so long um because all the pools and leisure centers were closed so that had a really big boost sort of last year particularly in in 2020 the summer of um so so 2021 uh so yeah it's really picked up and as i said there are more races than ever to get involved in so yeah it's a good it's a good time definitely for for open water swimming
0: that sounds great now before we sort of have a look at your swimming career i wanted to first ask you about how you got into sports journalism and broadcasting and i know you're you're known as nick hope tv but how did that all come about was that from from university and then you sort of fell into sports give us a bit of a back back backstory
1: i always said like when i was a kid I always knew exactly what I wanted to be, no doubts about it, Superman. Okay. And that, to be honest, that probably hasn't really gone, but I've just sort of realized over the years, I'm not going to develop any superpowers. Um, but as a kid, I was like, right, well, what's the next best thing? Well, Clark Kent is a journalist. So I kind of like, even from sort of like seven, eight years old, had that kind of in, in mind. I also had classes when I was a kid as well. So it sort of works in my head anyway. Um, so that's kind of like the path that I, I used to obviously did a lot of sports. So I started writing about, um, yeah, the swimming events that I was involved in football, tennis, different things like that for local newspapers that through. I actually got I, I, my degree was in psychology because I was quite interested in that field. After doing my A levels and thought that's something I might progress with. But then when I was at uni, um, I started doing sort of student radio, newspaper. Um, bits of TV stuff that we did in-house and lots of presentation around events. And, and I was a sports rep for my JCR as well and, and swim team captain. So anyway, I kind of combined all of these areas. And then a friend who was on the swim team uh, with me two years beforehand, a guy called Anna Baxter, I'll give him a shout out. Uh, he'd gone on to this post in broadcast journalism um and he was i mean he'd gone into i think then he was working for bbc radio cumbria which is very much kind of um farming territory so he was telling lots of uh stories about lambing and all sorts of stuff he went on to you know a lot of other exciting things in london but i was just fascinated by what he was doing and kind of basically followed his path a little bit but carved out my own niche obviously had this path uh, um passion for olympic and paralympic sports from what i'd been interested in when i was a kid and wanted to do something a little bit different so i sort of created this mission statement, which was to give voice to those who would otherwise have gone unheard. And that lent itself so perfectly to the Olympic and Paralympic sports worlds, because particularly in the run up to the Beijing Games in 2008, I remember like there were, I think, network news for the BBC had commissioned four or five pieces. That was it before the Olympics. I was like, there is such a missed opportunity here. I know the national sports, football, I know cricket, and rugby, and um, a few others are going to get a lot of attention, but you're missing these incredible athletes. So basically, I started carving out a niche there, and that's sort of what I've continued to plug in and fight for ever since.
0: Wow, that's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, and I know you've been to lots of Olympics, Paralympics, and Commonwealth Games, and FINA yeah. World Champs. Have you always worked in the swimming side of interviewing and broadcasting? Or have you sort of um, honed in on that lately?
1: So I've kind of I think I obviously I always had the passion there and was kind of like always going to fight to be involved in that area. Um, but really, it's been across all Olympic and Paralympic sports. Um, I just I wanted to make sure that was part of the the remit that I covered as well, because obviously, you know, there, I had connections there, but I could and I, I knew the fantastic stories that were being missed generally um you know london 2012 gave us a huge opportunity and platform to really push with those things on the bbc particularly obviously having that home games in the uk there was all all of a sudden so much more interest but um that gave us kind of the platform i'd started as i said carving out this niche before beijing so had a good run-up into that london 2012 games uh from the olympics and paralympics um, so, I mean, I was working across all, all kinds of sports and, you know, there were ones that I never even dreamt of covering like taekwondo, which became a, like a personal favorite for me. I didn't know anything about combat sports to begin with, but got in with that and and it was great to see their journeys from 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 meeting kids who were like 15 years old, who then went on and won gold at their home games five years later or so. Um, But obviously, yeah, from a a swimming and aquatic sports perspective, you know, try to push artistic swimming synchro as it was back then, uh, diving, water polo as much as well. But yeah, swimming's always been a big passion. So I was always going to have a bit of a bias there. Um, I think what's been quite good is I used to go when I started and this is before I'd come back into master swimming I used to find it quite difficult covering swimming events because I'd always be really envious you know I'd see them you know the guys go off in 100 or the 200 meter backstroke and be a bit like god it would be it would be nice to go out there although the 200 meter backstroke is a horrible race so it wouldn't have been nice to be out there (laughs) but the the, (laughs) the idea of competing was always um was I was always quite envious, but when I got back into masters swimming, I, it, that made it a little bit easier to to cover actually because I was like, well, I've got my area. This I'm doing for work and just doing what you know as, as much as I can for them.
0: Yeah, no, that that sounds great. What um, do you do? You work as a freelance or are you contracted to?
1: I am freelance now. Yeah, so I, was, yeah, sorry, I, I was BBC Sports staff um, for uh, fourteen years. Yeah, fourteen years ago um, until uh, so Tokyo 2020 was my last event for them. Um, I've gone freelance since then and still basically working in similar areas. So what, I'm still working with BBC Sports and, and doing some freelance work with them, but also a lot more. Um, so like International Governing Bodies, I've worked quite closely with FINA and also starting to work with LEN, a European Aquatics Federation, as well uh, going forward. Basically trying to, because traditionally there's always been this distance and this isn't just related to, you know, aquatic sports. We find this in um in, in triathlon, and I was doing some work with world curling before the um, the Winter Olympics and a few others. There's generally always this distance between the international federation and the athletes, and generally the athletes only go to the international federation if there's a massive problem. And Traditionally, the, the International Federation have made decisions without consulting the athletes, and it was this idea of trying to bring them a little bit closer together and improve relations. And but, um, and from my point of view, you know, as, as a journalist, is to do that through storytelling. So let's bring some of the fantastic stories that are going on, you know, great outlets around the world. You know, uh, you know, albeit Aussie TV, Radio Online, or or in Britain, UK, Italy, anywhere you want to name. You know, they, they nationally they might be aware of those stories, but internationally they weren't being spread in the same way. So what I've kind of come in to do, and it started with FINA's World Cup Series uh, at the end of last year, then the World Short Course Champs in Abu Dhabi, and then recently in uh, Budapest for the Long Course World Champs is basically to go in and kind of do behind the scenes and to do mixed own interviews and to spend a little bit of time with athletes who are having breakout performances or that we know are mega stars or are going to be good or just have amazing stories um, and to try and give them a little bit of profile and then also obviously improve that relationship a little bit so that there is a bit more of a friendly face to the, the international federation and you're using your platform that you have that that international global brand name for the betterment of your sport and it is you know it's important there are still going to be political messages that those organizations have to put out but also there is so much light and joy and and warmth from the sport that they need to to share as well so um yeah trying to do that for all the kind of like digital platforms that's so been which has been good fun
0: what an amazing job i mean it just sounds so exciting what what was it like down on pool deck or in the mixed zone in budapest just a few weeks ago
1: it was it was so great i mean that venue hosted the world championships in 2017 which was one of the best that i've covered anyway and i think just the fact that there were you know athletes have gone so long including at the olympics last year without any crowds to finally have fans in venues and i think obviously the the isl's changed things as well that is you know it's it's motivated others to up their game a little bit. So I think the show and the fanfare around the World Championships was bigger than it has been previously. And we saw that with the World Cup last year as well, You know, where you've got DJs on, on deck, you've got performance, you've got music, you've got things to keep the crowd going, even between um, races to try and keep up that pace and that momentum. Um, and i think yeah i think the athletes loved it i mean one of one of the tough things at the moment is you you know covid hasn't gone the pandemic is is still here you're still having you know as 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 you know in australia um you know athletes having to pull out of events because of of covid you know, we've had it in the uk we you know we missed uh, duncan scott wasn't there who got it beforehand and then there were athletes who got it during the event that is unfortunately the the way of the world right now is still going to happen for the foreseeable as it is but outside of that doing everything you can to make it safe but also make it entertaining and enjoyable for the athletes that are there and i think yeah it was a, it was a really good show and and great to see all the sports there apart from the only one that was missing was, was high diving. Um, but that's now uh, they'll have a separate competition. And, and for all of the world champs, it'll be in there. So, you know, you've got a lot of it, the world's has moved on an awful lot. You've got a lot of them packed in over the next few years. It's going to be yes. interesting how that plays <laughs> <will> out be. <laughs> that <way>. uh, <laughs> and other events. But yeah, as 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 a, as a, as a one-off this summer, given that it was supposed to be in Japan and then it was canceled, didn't look like we were getting one. Um, it makes it a busy summer for a lot of people, particularly, you know, for the Aussies and the Brits with uh yeah. world champs, commies, and then the Brits have got um Europeans coming up straight off the back. You guys have got Jewel of the Pool, I think, uh, with with the Americans. Um so yeah, crazy summer, but yeah, it was a great way to start it.
0: Did you did you have a favorite interview from uh the the uh mixed zone this year?
1: God, I mean, that's that's a tough one. I mean, there was some great, I mean, there was some great. I mean, one of, one of the most eye-opening was, So, if you look at, like, uh, David Popovici, uh who had, you know, breakout freestyle performances, just how level-headed he was. It was it was barely like he cared, you know what I mean? He did, obviously, it was an amazing break, but he was just so level. And when you spend time with somebody like that, and you're like, you just see that kind of that look in their eye that they mean business, and you know what they're going to be achieving in, in, in the years coming up. Um, you, there were, there were obviously like on the women's side, you had uh, Molly O'Callaghan, who was a great breakthrough performance. Um, Summer McIntosh, uh, was she 15 from Canada was brilliant. And, and again, incredibly, both really level-headed, not getting carried away with it. Despite the fact, you know, we they like, how many medals have you won now? We can barely count them <laughs> on one hand. Uh, and they're just like, you know, taking it race by race. And you're like, that's, that's impressive. Do you know, they, I know athletes so often talk about, it's about the process, isn't it? And as, as we as journalists and interviewers try and get them uh, a little bit overexcited perhaps about their performances, but hopefully, you know, they're taking a bit of time now to look at what they've achieved, you know, at, at first major worlds and just think, wow, that was incredible. And someone like, you know, Leon Marchand of of France, uh, another, well, a couple of, uh, you know, brilliant performances. And that was one of the most exciting things actually about being pool cycling. Mean, don't get me wrong. It was great to catch up with, um, you know, Caleb Dressel, uh, Katie Ledecky, um, you know, a whole host of of, of uh, high-class uh, Aussies that you had in the field there, um, Kyle Chalmers for one. Um, but it was also great to see those those youngsters coming through as well yeah. who were going to kind of you know, keep pushing through.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's great for the um, the future of sport to see all those young kids coming through.
1: No, totally. I tried not to use the word kids, but you're right, because um, But you're so, you're so right. right. It is. I mean, <laughs> you, you see, you're you talking 15, 16-year-olds sometimes, and it's amazing where um you know that this this yes. strength uh strength is coming from and it shows this you know the sports in a in a really healthy place right now and obviously to see you know a couple of of world records uh you know uh a three with the relay as well wasn't there but uh you know check on uh in the 100 meter backstroke and uh, obviously milak uh lowering his his standard and where he's taking a, um, the 200 fly right now is just um yeah it's frightening
0: it's amazing isn't it and i mean the british team are just having such a resurgence in swimming i think um you know, I, I know you didn't have Duncan Scott there or Adam, Adam Peaty, mm. but the rest of the team swam brilliantly. And yeah, they really good, did. Yeah, looking yeah, good I heading mean- into the Commonwealth Games.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I love the Commonwealth Games as well because it is it is so, such a for so many reasons. I mean, obviously, like the the England Australia clash is always brilliant to see as well. Um, but the, you'll also get so many fantastic stories of athletes who this will be their Olympics. You know, there will be ones who probably won't go on to be um, stars in in Paris, but they will have this moment where they're representing their home nation. Um, where they will become national heroes, national treasures for their performances over a couple of weeks. And, you know, people do call it the friendly games. And the reason it it, it is, you know, when when you sample it, when you're there on the ground, it is very different to an Olympic Games environment in terms of like um, what's around it. It is a lot more, uh, there's there's less intensity, but the athletes are still as super focused and serious and desperate to win those medals as as much as anywhere else. There's just a little bit more, I said of that, that friendly nature to it as well. I don't, it's really difficult to describe what it is because it is still serious competition. It's just that it's a little bit like, ah, oh, let's relax a little bit because it's not the intensity of an Olympic or Paralympic games, it's a, it's a commonwealth. Um, so yeah, I think that's going to be a fantastic competition as well.
0: Yeah, I do too. I mean, I know as Aussies, we love beating the ponds.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, I was getting that when I, I remember interviewing uh Kyle in uh Kaltama's in in in. Budapest and he's there at the world championships obviously speaking to me for FINA and he's like yeah well obviously our our focus is the Commonwealth Games (laughs) And like, fair (laughs) enough that's interesting I don't think any of the Brits would have openly said that but when it comes to the event it is absolutely their focus and that's you know what they want to go up against the best in the world so you know it's um yeah it's going to be a brilliant competition I was you know I was good there four years ago in Gold Coast which genuinely and I, as, as you mentioned before, I've covered a lot of Olympics and Paralympics over the years. Gold Coast was amongst the best events I've ever got. I mean, the, the place is obviously fantastic. And, you know, the location in terms of brilliant venues all close in together. You could travel between lots of different sports in a day, obviously the beautiful sun and um, uh, yeah, places to go. Birmingham will be different, but it will be special in, in, in a different way here in the UK.
0: Yeah, definitely. Is there any British people or British swimmers, I should say, that we should uh, look out for that we haven't heard of before that you think are going to have a great games?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, God, there's there's so many across the different disciplines, and I get you know if you get the big names out of the way first, obviously it's it's great to hear that Adam Peaty will be competing there because obviously that's been a big question mark for a while because obviously he broke his foot, and then I think he only just started diving last week again. So you know, although he's been swimming for a few weeks. um, he wouldn't have been able to compete at the world championships has just made it and that's a big one for him because you know birmingham is the closest he will get to a to a home games uh because he's from the midlands area um you talk to which is near derby which is a short distance away so you know that that's a big thing for him and for the organizers to have someone as big as him uh in there and obviously duncan scott who missed the world championships another you know big one to to, to look out for I and mean, i'm quite keen to you know, and, and hopeful that some some of the, the, the British women, so across, you know, uh, Scotland, England and Wales can have some good performances at the, these championships because it has been the men. I mean, it goes in phases, you know, for so many years when we had, you know, uh, Becky Adlington and uh, Joe Jackson and Jazz Carl and Siobhan Marie O'Connor. The women were the ones who were at the top of the sport and the men were, were you know, fighting to get up on the podium but weren't dominating the same way. At the moment, we're going through a period where it is the men who are generally at the top of the sport. So I'm kind of hoping we can see some of the some of the other names um come through we saw um you know uh, many harris in the backstroke and we saw um you know molly renshaw has been up there on on world short course podiums has done well at europeans it'd be great for her to you know uh, do get another commonwealth success i think the goals there this summer yeah there's so many i could i could kind of pick from but yeah just just really mm-hmm. looking forward to to the tournament because i think you'll see a lot of kind of breakthrough performances
0: yeah and will you be working during the commonwealth games Yeah
1: yeah so i'm i'm going to be darting around a few different different sports during the commonwealth um, i'm there for a bit of it but i've got the the european championships off the back which is it's only four days after the commonwealth's finish before the europeans begin and that's a big event for me as well so i'm doing a little bit at the beginning of the commonwealth and then heading over to um yeah to rome uh, for the europeans so yeah, it's a, it's a crazy busy summer but all good. That's
0: yeah, that's that's huge isn't it? And the masters Europeans are on the back end of that um Euro championships are they?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So ho- hopefully get a little bit of pool time during the the, the main European championship so middle of the day hopefully no one's trading in it or just just find a lane somewhere. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> European champs I think there's maybe I think I'm going home for about 5 days in between and yeah. then heading back out uh which would be good because I've not done a European masters since 2016, which were the, the ones that were in London. Um, so yeah, it'll be good to do a big competition again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I heard those ones in London were just inundated with competitors and it was, yeah, it was a hard, a hard yakka to get through it.
1: It, it really, yeah, it was, I mean, Look, the facts are there were too many people that, that were all allowed into it per size of the venue. Um, it was really, and obviously, uh, originally everyone was allowed to enter five events. That then came down to three, which caused a little bit of disruption. It probably, You know what, for a few years, it probably did put people off. Um, I... My my difficulty is always like balancing. Like these events usually happen at a similar time to when I've got work on and sports events and competitions, so it's not always easy to to do one and then the other. And particularly, you know, this one I'm taking a bit of a chance with, hoping that I can do a bit more training during because I'm covering a swimming event. But if I was covering taekwondo or or karate or whatever it was, there wouldn't be a pool nearby, so I wouldn't be able to have the chance to train for an event straight off. So I'd probably miss it. Uh, So yeah, hoping this time I'll be able to do both, and I'm hoping this will be. Yeah, the first one that kind of kicks start a lot of Masters participation again, because obviously during the pandemic, people had been away. And as I said, off the back of London, you know, there were a few more people that were a little bit wary of going to events and not getting the full experience. Because that one was, as I said, that was a tough one in 2016, because it wasn't like everybody got to swim in the main Olympic pool either, because there were so many uh, entrants. They split it so that half your races would be in the warm up pool. Uh, which is obviously a very different environment to being out there in your Olympic aquatic center. Um so yeah, hopefully things will 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 pick up, and i'm I'm sure you know it's gonna be a great event in in Rome, very hot obviously out, out in um into August September time, but yeah it should be should be a great event.
0: Yeah, it looks beautiful. I hope to uh, put that on my list one day.
1: Got to. I mean, yeah, it's one of the most spectacular cities in that Olympic park where it's where it's going to be based is just I mean, obviously, there's so much history and then you've got more modern structures with the uh, with the tennis centers as well. Uh, And obviously, the football stadium is is at the back end. Stadio Olimpico uh, is where Roma plays the back end as well. So if you can go to a time where you can get a little bit of a sample of all sorts of things. uh, Yeah, it's great. Yeah, brilliant city.
0: Awesome. Let's have a bit of a look at, or a bit of a talk about your personal swimming career. How did you first get started in swimming as a youngster?
1: It's quite similar to what I think. Uh, speaking to a lot of swimmers over the years, at least at least ones that are around my age, it was a very similar thing. Which was diagnosed with asthma when I was a kid, and and the doctors at that age all said, right, well, the best thing, you know, to your parents, the best thing you can do is put your child in the pool, and and that will help, you know, boost their lung capacity. So that's really where it started from, sort of four, five years old, quite young. Um, I was not very good. I'm not going to lie. I, it took me a long time to figure out something. And I think until <laughs> probably until like I had that puberty kick at about 12, 11, 12 was quite early. But um, until then I was very, very, very average. Um, I just had this huge growth spurt, but then I, I, I stopped growing at about 13 so i thought i was going to be i don't know six foot three or something i'm i'm five nine i'm tiny for for a male swimmer yeah i was basically this height as i said touching 13 and then for some reason it just stopped i don't know (laughs) um but yeah that i just yeah i just i just loved being in the pool i did a lot of other other um uh sports as well like my dad was really into sailing um but as I said, I always found I'd rather be in the water than on the water. And that's not very constructive for a career in sailing. So uh yeah, it was <laughs> it was swimming that I went down. Yeah.
0: And did you swim right through high school and into university?
1: Yeah, pretty well, sort of on and off. So I was I was really obviously heavily involved in it till I was probably 15 and doing junior nationals and um obviously you know club and regional championships and things like that but i uh i tore my pectoralis major when i was 15 so it was the week after national champs was on holiday with my parents uh i was showing off trying to impress a girl dived into a swimming pool and my uh my shoulder just decided it had had enough i think it was basically repetitive strain uh there's no reason why it should have gone i just dove into the pool went up to do fly and it was like someone pulling the plug, like all of a sudden, all the energy went out of my shoulder. Um, and basically it was that it was misdiagnosed to begin with. And I kept, I was one of the, I was, I was, a. you know, I was, I was never a super talented, but I was a very determined swimmer, you know, um, probably took it way too seriously in so far as, you know, I would try and win the warm up. I'd like, I was like, I'm going to nail it. I'm going to show what I mean. This, and I'd be dead for the rest of the session. Um, but so I was always like, you know, be my, be the best that I can. Um, and yeah, the, the shoulder just, just gave way, unfortunately. But that was also in an era where, you know, we weren't doing pre-pool at that point. Uh, we weren't doing post-pool either. Uh, you know, you were just getting in and slamming it as hard as you possibly could. And, you know, when I look back at it, you know, obviously I see, you know, kids and, and young adults, um, doing all that tra- you know particularly when you're at like a national championships and you see the performance that the young squads get in from like a sheffield or wherever and you see them all lined up and they're doing their pre pool for a good half an hour before they get in the water and it's it's just amazing to see because we we didn't do anything like that it was more like the hunger games do you know what i mean it was literally survival of the fittest there were so many that went down with different injuries those who didn't ended up being stars because they could tolerate it unfortunately i was just one of those that the, the you know my shoulder gave up but at the same time do, you know while it was it was hard and I did try so many times to come back at that point at that level um, and it sort of broke down. You know it made a, a, a lot of decisions a lot easier because I could you know I could have fought on and been tried to be you know obviously my best and reach a certain level, but I was I, you know let's be realistic I was never going to be a top top swimmer with with the size that I am um, and uh, so it made you know the edu- going down the education route a, a lot easier um but i you know i i always kept that i always had the love for swimming it's just maybe i took a bit of time away from it I did it at uni i was uni swim team captain which was amazing but obviously i could you know i didn't have to train at the, the same level that i used to and then um yeah i did i came away from it for a few years afterwards and then i kind of like i was in my early 30s and all of a sudden like well, your metabolism starts slowing down. You put on a little bit of weight, i start, start on quite a bit of weight. saw so a photo of myself on holidays, like, got to do something about this. Um, and randomly, I was at a house party in London and saw a guy with a, he said I had a low-cut top on, but he had like a Team GB tattoo on it. And I was like, oh, I'll go and chat to him about that because it's interesting because it's one that maybe Olympians usually have. Uh, and he was like, oh, no, no I'm not Olympian. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a master swimmer. And I had no idea what master swimming was about. And then, yeah, just had a chat with him about it. I was like, well, that sounds quite interesting. Hang on. So you compete in all the same venues as, as the as the real swimmers do. Uh, and there's competition throughout the year and you train, et cetera. It's like, well, this is something I've got to look to, look at. And then, yeah, about, what was it, about seven years ago, started, started getting back into it again and have loved it. Sorry, that was a very long answer. <laughs> no,
0: that's fine. I was going to yeah. ask you that question anyway. I love the way you call them real swimmers. I do too. I do as yeah. well. Yeah. The real swimmers and then the master swimmers. I,
1: well, I see how they train, and like, absolutely. Look, no, that and that is not to diss any other master swimmers. I just, I know what I am like myself, and I know, you know, I know what my body can tolerate as well. And I know when I watch them train, what they do and, and how focused they are. And I do, I do the best that I can for my body, but I know it is not what. As I said, the real, the professional. I should just say professional swimmers, shouldn't I? Professional. Professional. Yeah, we should say that. (laughs) Professional. How
0: how did you end up? (laughs) How did you end up getting over the shoulder injury? Did you have to have it operated on, or did you just repair it through prehab and?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, yeah, prehab and activation. I think. I spend more time out of the pool than I do in, you know, to try and get ready for it. I mean, I would love, I mean, I hate it in all honesty, I hate doing all the prehab and, the, and the, the activation and all that stuff, but I've got to do it. Um, it doesn't come naturally, same as strength and conditioning in the gym. You know, I didn't, um, you know, I didn't get into swimming to do the gym work. I'm useless on the land. I, I don't like doing the weights and the stretches and things like that. I just want to be slamming it in the pool. I, I, you know, I love being in the water, the sound of it. Um, I, I do love open water and the freedom that that gives you, but I love short course racing, lots of turns, you know, working on your skills, that kind of thing. I would love to be able to just get in and, and slam it all the time. But I've get you know, what I, what I kind of learned is the only way to manage the injury. And that's, that's even now, is by doing everything by the book. Do you know what I mean? And that's and if I you know if I want to keep swimming into into my forties fifties etc. That's absolutely what I what I've got to do to to take care of it and um, yeah just manage the injuries and then and then actually to be honest and like touch wood it's been really good for it for a long time because I've just been I think that was how I got over it this time. It's like I've got to focus if I'm going to make you know, uh, let's say a comeback. if I'm going to have, you know, a a master's swimming career, if I'm going to make something of it, then I need to be sensible about this. And I need to rein in that enthusiasm a little bit, whenever I hit the water and just be a bit sensible. And that also comes to, you know, when I'm doing events, I do like to enter a lot of races, you know, if I'm there to race, I'm there to have a hard day of racing and yeah, I'll, I'll, You know, you'd have probably performed better if you'd have done three rather than six races in in those individual ones. But I like racing. Sometimes you're like, no, I I need to manage this. I need to make sure that I don't do too much, or just do, just do the text, tech strokes, just do the backstroke, just do the freestyle. So I'm getting my shoulder moving in one direction rather than doing the fly and putting extra strain on it because that's the one that gets it the most, or or breaststroke, which um well, I hate anyway. Let's, let's, let's not even go there. It's a um, terrible breaststroke.
0: <laughs> what a terrible stroke! Yeah.
1: No, <laughs> I also don't <laughs> swim
0: breaststroke. <laughs> so, how many times a week can you train
1: before before it starts? Your before it starts starts breaking. To, yeah. To so, I mean. Four is my target. I can I can probably do five, but four decent sessions a week in the, in the pool um, is you know helps maintain fitness, probably you know make improvements and doesn't break me effectively. That's the uh, that's 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 the target roughly. If I can get more in, brilliantly brilliant. But I think the biggest thing you notice when you get that little bit older is actually you benefit more from it's not being in the pool all the time. It's it's making the most of your recovery and time off and appreciating that actually. Um, or even, you know, right, I might have two days on, one day off, and then I've done two days on, but actually I could do a third. Other times you're like, I've only done one day. I cannot train again today because I know something isn't feeling quite right. So that's something that, as you know, I'm sure you know, uh, over time you get to know your body so much better. You know, it's strength, but you also know its weaknesses. So you've got to kind of work with that if you're going to, yeah, achieve what you want to really and keep, keep that, um, yeah, love of swimming going.
0: How
1: how far would you go in a normal session? At least 3K. Um, yeah. it'd be, you know, my, my sessions are usually three to three and a half. Maybe if I do if I'm doing like a block of open water, I'd go to like four or five. Um, but I'd rather do shorter, more intense work than because because my, as I said, although I do some longer ones, my, my focus is still kind of hundreds, two hundred, more two hundreds. 100 for enjoyment, 200s for a little bit better for performance. Although I did do, I did an 800 meter freestyle at the Nationals last year, um, which was actually, I mean, I thought it was going to be hell, but after doing the open water events, the 800 in the pool, it was a short course as well. Um, that was, I really enjoyed that more so than ever. In fact, I enjoyed it more than doing like the 200 meter backstroke. And I thought obviously four times the distance was going to be a hellish race, but it was really good fun just doing something a little bit different. So I'm, I might do a bit more of that. We'll see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people found that with, you know, swimming out open water during COVID and um, a lot of people have, you know, sort of aimed towards those longer distance events, 800, 1500. And, um, yeah, I've heard that a few times from people I've spoken to. So it is interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. And we pe- have pe- to so much.
1: Absolutely. And you've got a little yeah. bit more time to think about tactics, which, never really do in those shorter distance races even in even in i know you've got a little bit more time in a a, a 200 but really you know what you're doing whereas in an 800 things play out so differently depending on who wants to go for a a totally different crazy tactic for example and then obviously you've got that you know as i said in a 200 you don't have that time to think do i go with them generally well you've got to or or you set out that pace yourself whereas in an 800 you actually do have that time to think and you've got to make that judgment um but then in master swimming it's so interesting because half the time you're racing with people you may not have met before, so you don't know it's like you've, they've got their entry time, and you might have done a little bit of Google research to try and find out what they've done in other events. But a lot of the time, you're going in blind, so that does make it quite um, quite interesting, definitely.
0: In the UK, do you for your masters um, events? Do you have um, mixed genders going on time? Because that's what we do in Australia. Or I've been speaking to a few people in the US, and and they actually just have all females racing or all males racing. How do you structure it in the UK?
1: It's a bit of a combination. Um, if the, the event is big enough, you keep every, they, they keep things separately. Um, usually at most events, if you have like a 400, that would be mixed. Right. Um, so the longer distance ones, because you'll get fewer people who enter it. So try and get, you know, through the program as quickly as possible. You make the most of the lanes rather than having, you know, only three in one or something like that. So to, to get through it, Um in the, actually the nationals in the 800 meters, that was a mixed race that I was in. So maybe some of the longer distances, but the sprints, they're generally always separate. Yeah, definitely. Right.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean,
1: 100s are usually separate. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because we're, we're always racing. Um, I'm always racing men.
1: Often, oh, yeah.
0: You know, it could be a 40-year-old or a 60-year-old beside me. So that's a, that's another thing that you have to think about, like that that sort of wave that you get from um someone who's racing beside you, going to create more of a wave than if it was a female.
1: Well, I was in the, the 800 that I, r- I raced at nationals, as I said, was was mixed. Um, so uh, the lady in the the lane next to me, who she did beat me, um, but it was great. You know, it was brilliant to, to kind of race with her, of, uh, someone of her standard, because I learned so much from racing next to her. I mean, I, I dove in, and obviously i would not swum an 800. She looked, I could sort of see in the corner of my eyes, like, she means business. She knows what she's doing. She knows how to pace this race. I'm just going to stalk her for the next <laughs> however many lengths. And it worked well. I've got a great time. She, she got me on the touch. She's was probably beating me by about a second and a half. Her sprint finish was much better than mine. Um, but no, it was a great experience because I got to race with someone who was, who was a, you know, a really, really good swimmer, better swimmer than me. Um, and I learned a lot about pacing and racing in that event. So yeah, I think, I think mixed is, is great, but obviously appreciate what you're saying about the wave. I said, you're racing against someone my size. I'm not creating much of a wave. So <laughs> that's I right. think all right. <laughs> what,
0: what time did you end up posting for that 800?
1: Uh, what did I get? I think it was eight forty forty three, 43, something like that. Oh, that's good. So it was, it was all right for a first one, not knowing what Yeah, yeah I was going into. It was, uh, yeah, happy.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good. And do you um, structure your training? Do you train with other people, with a squad or by yourself? How does that
1: work? So I kind of I train on my own. Um, I am a member of a club, So I'm at two clubs actually. So Wigan um, Swimming Club, which I was with when I was a kid, they're still going. And when I moved back to, to Manchester, I joined them again. So I'll go occasionally and maybe do like one session a month with them. I'm also part of uh, Trafford um, Metro Masters Swimming Club, uh, who are a little bit further south in Manchester. Um, they've got, so Wigan doesn't really have much of a, a master's program in terms of um, uh, swimmers going to events. Uh, whereas Trafford does. Uh, so it's really nice to team up with them at competitions and, and do relays and things like that. But I think because of the way that I work and the way that I do my training, you know, I could I do a lot of travel. So fitting in the training sessions around that can be a little bit challenging. I don't train with the club that often. Do you know what I've they're always inviting me? But it is one of those like, I don't, I don't like going when I'm not on it, that kind of thing. I know I can, can control my own session. And I also, it's all, you know, like some days it's because of my shoulder. I don't feel like doing any fly today. I know it's best that I don't. I don't want to be the awkward one who I'm not doing fly. I'm not doing breaststroke because my hips are a bit stiff. That kind of thing. Uh, whereas if I'm on my own and I'm I am quite good at pushing myself, um, and I've got you know apps and things I'm on my watch to to make sure I'm going to the times. So I do train on my own ninety five percent of the time, yeah. which I guess you know yeah it does make it a little bit lonely. But you know I'm there for that hour to to hit the pool as, as, as well as I can really. So it seems to work okay. I would love to, you know, if, if, if my work situation was a little bit more stable, I had a, you know, more regular nine to five and every I knew that every Thursday evening, the squad training, I would be going to that a lot more religiously, but yeah, the, for the way that I kind of work instead sort of just going and hitting the, you know, the local Virgin active uh, leisure center kind of works for me.
0: And do you set your own program or do you have a coach that you work with who oversees?
1: Yeah, I I do my own program. I sort of, I guess I've kind of figured what what works for me over the I mean, yeah, it might be if I brought in someone else, they'd be, we could we can make some really big improvements in, mate. <laughs> Maybe they could, but I don't know. I kind of, I guess I sort of I I enjoy what I'm doing. I get little bits of bits of feedback as and when, you know, I train with the performance squads um in various places that I go, which is always useful to pick up. Um but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess I could look at it a lot more professionally, but I do enjoy the way that I do it because I know it it's it's got the best out of me. You know, the times I'm hitting as a master's now are the same as I as I was when I was a kid training full time and I was being overtrained then. So I know that what I'm doing is, you know, I shouldn't at 38 be going the same times that I was going when I was 15 before my shoulder went and when I was at my you know, physical peak doing two sessions a day, six days a week. Um, so, something's working, I think. I think Maybe so. I could do more, but at the moment it's, it seems to be okay.
0: No, I think it sounds fabulous. So, what's a typical session that you would write for yourself?
1: Um, so, I, I ease into it with kind of like some distance swim. So, I'd usually do at least a, a kilometer, so like two, two 400s and a, a 200, two 400s free, and then a 200 meter backstroke. Then I'd probably go into some kind of skills work, um, uh, usually freestyle backstroke drills. Uh, Then once those are done, I'll do another, say, 300, 400 easy, and then go into some sprints. So be those 50s or be those 100s. Those would be most days of the week. Others, I'd probably do like repetitive sets of 200 back, see how long I can go for. Uh, It's not not pleasant (laughs) but (laughs) you gotta do it you gotta do it um to put in those and then uh yeah towards the end of the sessions i'd usually throw in a little like longer so if i'm if my mid sets had been 50s i'll then do hundreds towards the end if i've done 200s then i'll probably come down to 50s at the end and then finish with kind of like a a swim down of anything that's 400 to 800
0: generally yeah and you mentioned
1: earlier i don't I don't, I, i do bits obviously like uh but i i I never use fins. So I don't like swimming because they feel, because they feel so amazing. I love, like, I love swimming with them, but I hate the feeling of taking them all off and then just being with my regular pleb feet. You know, I I kind of like, it just feels awful again. So I I don't train with, with fins, which maybe, maybe, maybe I should do. Um, But then my pool, you know, it's only, uh, it's 25 meters and fins into 25. I don't, it's, I think I think they're better in a fifty. Make make the most of you know when you're struggling doing long course a little bit. But yeah, yeah so I don't use them that often.
0: Are you a good turner?
1: Uh, I'd say it's probably it's one of my skills. It's probably again possibly size wise, but yeah, short course was always always my um, always my strength. I yeah d- a decent starts underwater quite quick quick spinny turns. So yeah, I, I like short course racing.
0: How many dolphins underwater would you do off your backstroke turn before you come up?
1: Um, do you know that's a good cut I don't I, I just usually measure kind of like the distance so make sure that I'm coming up a good you know very close to you know obviously past the flag so it's probably about eight yeah eight.
0: that's that's decent
1: yeah. yeah it'd be eight yeah just trying to think it through yeah I don't know why I've never counted that before <laughs> Yeah, that's something I should definitely do <laughs> if I'm wrong I'll tweet you later I'll okay let you know. <laughs>
0: And you mentioned before you you don't love strength work or dry land. Oh, it's you? way more than eight.
1: Sorry, I'm thinking it through. It's more like twelve. It's more like Definitely. twelve. Definitely. Yeah. Anyway, go. Because you you, you go
0: all the way out to the 15-metre mark, do you, before you come up?
1: Yeah, as much as I can. yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, but by, you know, by the end of the 200 metres, no, I'm not Not going quite so far. But, yeah, (laughs) not so much.
0: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I was going to ask, you mentioned before about not really liking dry land and strength work. Do you manage to fit any in?
1: Yeah, no, no, I do. I do do it. Uh, as I said, it's just it's so important for, you know, maintaining, um, maintaining the, the body. So you're pull ready and and recover afterwards. So, yeah, I do you know basic gym sets. I don't do much like sort of deadlifting or anything like that, um, but a lot of kind of machine work. As I said, a lot of stretching, loads of TheraBand work. I do so much of that probably more, more of that than actual swimming sometimes I think. Um, but yeah, it all, it all, it all works. As I said, the stretching, it's just, it's just, as you said, the, the more, um, I've gone into my thirties, the more I've kind of like realized how important all of that is. Definitely.
0: Yeah. And so looking at your master's career and, and w- what is it that you enjoy so much about swimming your masters?
1: Kind of a combination of every, I mean, like, it's it's that opportunity to still be involved and compete in the sport which I didn't have for so many years um the, and there's that really nice almost like you know I said from a professional point of view where you have the Commonwealth Games versus the Olympics and you have the the friendly games there's a little bit of that because there's it is you can you can take it as seriously as you want to if you want to go and step away and sit in the corner which I quite often do before a race because i get, I get very nervous beforehand um it, you know put yourself in the corner and i'm on my own and do my own thing but then actually when you rate you've done your race and it's fine and it's done and then go back and join you know the, the rest of your teammates and enjoy it and talk about just some random stuff it doesn't just have to be about swimming uh, about what's going on in people's lives and their, their backgrounds and stuff and just just have a great time that is something that you know i didn't know was going to be available to me again as a swimmer because that's you know it's kind of what you did when you were well yeah when you were a kid when you're 12 13 14 you're going away doing weekend meets or evening meets after school with friends that go to different schools and stuff who you don't see for for other than when you're training and stuff um so it's really nice from that perspective you know to to go to you know different parts of the country or around the world and have people that you know and you can you can um chat with and socialize with but also have some really good competition which keeps you true keeps you motivated and that's one of the biggest things as you know when when you're training it is so hard to keep going and keep pushing yourself to your limit when you don't have a target even if you're a super determined person it is so easy as you said isn't it you know to be Mm. like uh that 200 was really hard. I'm not doing enough or, or skip mid, mid set, be like, I've done, I've done hundred. That's enough today. You know what I mean? So rather than doing the full two, um, whereas when you've got a target and, you know, you've also got that little bit of fear in the, in the back of your mind that like, well, I don't want to look stupid at that event. Um, yeah, that really helps. So I just, and I just think that's really good because it keeps, keeps you training hard and that keeps you fit. And that is good for, you know, mind and body. Um, and yeah, there's just, just so many positives with that.
0: And, Obviously you're going to go to the Euro masters after you've been there for the real or the professional ones. What, what would a swimmer going there for the first time be expecting? Like talk us through, talk us through that.
1: Yeah. I think if you've not been to one before, you will be just stunned by how big it is. I mean, I think a lot of the time when I've been, so I went to my first one, which was the world championships in Kazan in Russia in 2015. Um, and obviously I've been there for the, the real champs as we'll call it again, you know, the, 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 the uh, professional <laughs> yeah. world, aquatics championships. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'd seen what they had and I expected everything to be scaled back, uh, for the master's competition. And to be honest, it wasn't, it was exactly the same, you know, they, they, uh, the wrap. So the, 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 all the colors for the event, they'd taken down world, um, world aquatics and put up world masters, obviously with the FINA branding, they dressed it correctly. There was, there was still an athlete village where we could all, um, well, we all stayed at night, but then there were there were places to go out for meals and uh, you, there was the professional setup in terms of, you know, going inside, having an, a, the, the warm up pool, having the area to do your, your dry lands, uh, to be, being marshaled through to poolside. It was just incredibly professional. And I didn't expect that either. You know, having gone in from, from the British scene where it is brilliant and it's run by volunteers and it's exactly what you'd expect it's it's a replica of what you've got when you're a kid and it's great to be in but then to see a replica of what you see at a world championships for masters swimming yes. was was mind blowing it really was um so just just expect to have a great time. And you as I said, you can take it as seriously as you want. If you want to go in the zone and have your big headphones on and, and whatever, uh, beforehand and, and get really in the zone, like like the, uh, the professionals do, you can do it if you want, excuse me. If you want to have a laugh and a joke with your fellow swimmers before the race, you know, most of them are probably going to be in the mood for doing that as well. It's yeah. It's whatever you want to make of it.
0: Yeah, it sounds sounds like a great uh, comp to go to, definitely. Does it move around to different European cities each? Is, is it held every two yeah. years?
1: Yeah, so it's usually, um, so it's every, because swimming has been, so they've done a few different things with, with major events. So for, it's usually now as of, you know, sort of over the last decade, it will go to the same place that the senior European championships are. Um, it's changed occasionally when, when the senior uh, european championships has gone into this thing called the multi-sport european championships so it's gone in with like gymnastics and triathlon and athletics and things, which they did in 2018 masters then came out of it and had its own event. but going forward it looks like aquatics have come out of that and they're going to do it solo so generally wherever the senior len european Aquatics championships will be that is where um the um the master's version will be and it's similar for the world champs as well yes. um so obviously that they didn't have it this time in budapest but that was because everything was hastily arranged it should have been in fukuoka in japan um and i think the plan is for it to be next year so generally it will always be in the same place as yes. the long course world championships as yeah. well
0: do you see so. yourself uh, heading over to japan next year for that
1: yeah, I hope so. I mean, I'm, the the plan is to be there for um, for Fina um, for the the professional uh, worlds, and then yeah, if, if I'm over in that part of the world, so long as there's not. If it's sometimes a little bit awkward if there's a three week gap. For example, you know, because I've got a life and family and things like that. You of know, course. having been away for quite a long, it's yeah, it's a long way to be away from home when when you're kind of like they understand it from a work perspective, but um, when you're when you're saying yeah, well, I just want to go and stay out here for another <laughs> four weeks to have a splash around, you get a few more questions as you can imagine. It. <laughs> yeah. So well, yeah, we'll we'll see what we can combine, but yeah, hopefully it'd be good to do another world champs definitely. Yeah,
0: yeah, a lot of people I've spoken to are trying or aiming for that for next year, so hopefully it goes ahead and where coming out of the pandemic by then, hopefully.
1: But, I mean, there's so many brilliant events around the world. There's also, which I only became aware of a couple of years ago, outside of the the sort of the FINA Masters, you've got things like the uh, Pan Pacific Masters Games, um which you've got which are actually take you know they take place in in gold coast where yeah. where and, and, and across in brisbane as well and australian masters um and there's you know like pan-american games there's um uh pan-asian games uh all, all things like that there's, there's so there's so many kind of international competitions that you can do as well as like national masters championships which are generally open so you don't have although i'm a european i could go and compete in in asia for example at yes. an asian masters championships um, cause I find that at the Europeans in, uh, well, we in Turin in, sorry, I've got it up on my wall somewhere 2019, there you go. It was a few years ago, um, f- walked into the, uh, to the, uh, the registration area and the first two teams I saw were the South Africans and the Indian team. I was like, I think I'm at the European championships, but yeah, no, <laughs> it's, it's well, it's open to all. It's, it's yeah. All
0: yeah, it's good it's good to know now I like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast a deep dive five just five quick questions gives us a bit of a snapshot yeah. of you as a swimmer yeah. first question mm-hmm. favorite pool that you've ever swam at
1: I mean look ponds forward Sheffield is is uh, as all British swimmers will know it's the fastest pool in the world you know we keep remeasuring it and they, they've done it digitally That's it is thing. definitely not shorter it is it is the right it is the right dimension. Um, but it is just the fastest call in the world, and great, great atmosphere there. So, from a domestic point of view, it's definitely there.
0: Favorite race memory?
1: Domestically would probably be um, my first British title in what would have been. It was 2017. Um, so, didn't I? That was I. The year before, I'd broken my hip in a ski crash and uh, high speed ski crash and it was it was you know there were there were question marks about whether i'd be able to to walk again let alone you know swim back at the back of the top so to go back and then win a first british master title um the the year after that after what was quite quite a grueling rehab um was was, a, was amazing yeah so i won that and it was it was really nice because I actually i won although you know the the 200 is my stronger event mm-hmm. i won the 100 first and that meant everything to me because it was it, that was the event that I fell in love with, you know, and that's that's what, yeah, got me involved in swimming.
0: Was that in the 100 and 200 backstroke?
1: Yeah, 100. Yes. So, yeah, 102 backstroke. So, the yeah. 100 was the first. That's the one that I won. And then the next day was was the 200, and I, I won that one as well. So, yeah, those are my favorite memories in the pool. There have been other, you know, amazing ones. I, I I won at the European Masters Games, as I said, in 2019, the 200 meter backstroke. But my time, I, I was a bit hard on myself. My time wasn't great. I did enough to win it. So that was fine but yeah the one the one in the, the british title was yeah it means the most i think
0: yeah what what damage did you do to your hip
1: yeah. So basically I, I snapped my femur at oh the neck of the gosh. femur in the hip. Oh. So it was a, it was a high speed ski crash. I was doing, um, I'm, I, I am contrary to what that entry may suggest. I'm an okay swimmer, uh, sorry, sk- uh, swimmer. Skier. <laughs> I'm an okay skier. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, but basically I, I've skied since I was a kid, but I was doing a very advanced course. So I was doing ski cross. So this is where you have lots of jumps and bumps and you're racing people. And, um, basically there was this, this part of the course, which was sort of in shade. And then in the sun. And I came out of the shade and couldn't see that there was this. these three jumps in front of me, sped off the first one, cleared the second. You're supposed to do one, two, three. I went off the first too quickly, cleared the first, and then hit the face of the third. So braced for impact. My right leg touched first and swung through and... Yeah, it was. Uh, but you know, airlifted, airlifted off the off the mountain. So I got a got a trip in a helicopter. So that wow. was <laughs> nice and dramatic. Always get travel insurance because effectively that only cost me twelve pounds fifty. So wow, uh, yeah, it was yes. it was a bargain.
0: <laughs> oh, Wouldn't recommend
1: the whole process, but you know, no, we, we get through a, these. Things.
0: That's a major injury. <laughs> gee, Yes.
1: That Was a little scratch. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What is your favourite backstroke training drill?
1: I mean, one of the just it's not it's not even really that interesting but it's what works for me is just doing like like an arms only drill um single arm drill double double arm drill not the old style backstroke but that actually the the two hands i've, I've got a few drills that i looked at that were supposed to be single arm um single arm double arm but the double arm just really stresses my shoulder out it doesn't like going there Uh, but just single single arm backstroke drills um with with that are arm pull only so with 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 your kickboard um pull boy sorry um they're some of my best drills yeah because they just you know they work your core they work your rotation um and they're really good because because you get so much burn across your body from them they're so good for the 200 meter backstroke which is as i said before basically just pain throughout so you need to be able to put yourself through that yeah
0: are you a good backstroke kicker yeah uh,
1: yeah quite quite good yeah. kick i mean like it's better. as i say it's probably better for the 200 than it is so i've got a good endurance it's probably not as powerful I my mean, 50 isn't brilliant at all um but that's not helped. again size i'm not the you know the the big the, the monsters that i race in the 50 are always or uh, is a lot bigger but yeah i've got i've got a decent kick but it's it's a better pick for like a 200 probably than a than a 50. Do you
0: have big feet? Uh
1: yeah, disproportionately big feet for my body. This is why like my my feet and my legs are the height of someone who should be quite a bit taller. <laughs> right. Just my mid and my arms are quite big as well. I'm, I'm describing myself as a bit of a, a freak here. I don't look <laughs> that way. If you look at me I look normal. It's only as a <laughs> as a swimmer I know these things. Like this part of my body should be a little bit
0: a little bit maybe, longer. A
1: little bit longer. Yeah basically
0: And what about your ankle flexibility? Is that, do you sort of turn in quite naturally, pigeon toe?
1: Yeah. I mean, when we were younger, we always like we were told to kind of basically sit in front of the TV at night or whenever and basically just move our ankles around and get really good flexibility. So it's not, you know, it's brilliant for swimming. It's not good for when I play football and stuff like that. You know, like ankles aren't as strong as they should be for land based stuff. That is the problem. But they are very flexible. So from a from a swimming perspective, yeah, my my feet are in quite good. They're quite useful.
0: Yeah, that's that's good to know. And what about your favorite go-to backstroke set?
1: Wouldn't involve two hundreds. As I, as I keep emphasizing how much I hate the Um kind of probably. Uh, I mean, the hundreds till you drop is quite a good one. Again, it's not, it's not the most dynamic ones that I do, you know, the ones that have got a lot more variety, but just that one really tests your endurance to try to keep going with like only having, let's say like a 15 second break between hundreds, then extend like to break it, like do 15 to the beginning going fifties, thirties. And then if you're trying to maintain that race pace, yes, you can do like a minute between, but basically just smashing it out. As I said before, what I like to do, and that's why I spend a long time warming up is to get there so I can spend as much time pushing my body to it to its limit as I can during, during the training session. So I do like those ones that have got as much kind of yeah push yourself to the limit as possible
0: yeah and what sort of um rpe would you go at sort of what intensity
1: um to to at least kind of 85% like, right okay i go pretty high yeah so it's it, look i i kind of vary up as well i think it will depend what your body is in, is in the mood for um there are probably more, you know, I could probably go into, I've got, a, as I said, apps on my phone, which tell me all sorts of things that my body's going through that I kind of ignore. I go a lot on feel, um, obviously on the times and I monitor my heart rate. So I know what, what like my max out is and I know what I'm trying to hit below that or or even to that and how long I should probably stay at that rate for. So that's kind of what I sort of base it around a lot of the time.
0: Right. Oh, that's great. Well, Nick, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been fabulous hearing about your swimming and your sports journalism um career as well. It's it's terrific. And um wishing you every success heading into the European Championships and onwards from there.
1: Thank you so much. Look, it's been a huge honor to be to be on stage, Danielle. I love what you what you're doing with, you know, and giving the giving the platform and the the profile to to so many master swimmers who 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 they deserve it. I'm not saying I do. Uh, it's really love to share this uh uh, share this time with you and just just speak about you know what is what is a great movement and something that I love to see that it's getting more and more attention now. So you know, you know from my perspective, huge thanks for everything that you're doing as well. Anytime I can help, just put a shout.
0: Thank you, I appreciate that. Okay, take care and best wishes. you too. Okay, bye. Thank you, go, Bob. Thanks for listening into my chat with Nick today. You can follow Nick on Instagram or through his website at nickhopetv. Do you enjoy listening to our Torpedo Swim Talk podcast? Because if you do, we'd love to hear what you think. You can now leave us a review on our podcast page on our website at all one word.com Till next time... Happy swimming and bye for now.